0: This is Carol McLeod, and I'm your host on the Significant Women podcast. Significant Women is a podcast for women to gather with their personal stories with dynamic hope and wisdom gleaned from the ordinary days of an uncommon life. Our goal is to simply encourage women in every season of life that their story matters. When Jesus is involved in the details, every woman's life can be a significant representation of all that he is. What? Can you believe it? Rachel Ruth Lots wright is my special guest today, and I am pinching myself. Let me tell you, I was so impressed with her heart, her joy, and her wisdom that I'm still reeling from our conversation. Rachel Ruth is the granddaughter of Billy and Ruth Graham and the daughter of Ann Graham Lots. During our conversation, I deeply probed Rachel Ruth's heart concerning what it was like to be a part of this famous family, and her answers are both refreshing and heartfelt. Rachel Ruth is the mom of three teenage daughters, a Bible teacher, a wife, and is deeply in love with Jesus. Rachel Ruth and her mom, and Graham Lotz, have just written a book titled Jesus followers. I'm so excited about the message in this book because Anne and Rachel Ruth have joined their love for the Bible and their experiences as a mother to help all of us pass our faith to the next generation. Rachel Ruth, what a delight to meet you. I feel in some ways I've met a kindred spirit.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm just so glad to be here. And I feel the same way. Oh, (laughs) Oh, thank you so
0: much. We've already been sharing stories off the mic, but I'm so delighted to have you. And, you know, Rachel Ruth, the name of my podcast is Significant Women, because I just want to convince everyone that you can live a significant life when you live for Christ. So I'm, I'm going to surprise you. And I'm going to ask you, Rachel, Ruth, what do you think it means to be a significant woman?
1: To be a significant woman, I feel like is, at least for me, is to do all that God wants me to do. I just want to follow him. And so, like, I feel like I'm probably myself, maybe, I guess, all growing up, I had, I struggled with that feeling significant. And and then when I found my love relationship with the Lord, when he became my best friend, when I was following him and, and studying my Bible and, and just the walk he's taken me on, I found my significance. It's in Jesus. And, and so when I start to look at myself, I think that's when I start to think, oh, I'm in, so you never got a you know, you know? But, but my significance is in Jesus. And so that's where I found it. And, um, and then he takes my weaknesses or whatever it is in my life and he makes them strong because of who he is in me. And so I try to keep my eyes off myself, and put them on him or else it's going to be a battle. So
0: isn't that the truth? I read a quote today that really sin is a result of our identity issues, that, that if we really knew who we were in Christ, the battle to sin wouldn't be such a strong one. Yes, that's right. So I love it. So Rachel Ruth, also, you come from a family of significant women, I would say, from great-grandmothers to grandmothers to your mom. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. And, and I've already told you my regret in life is never meeting your grandmother Ruth. I, I just want you to give me an adjective that like describes your grandmother, Ruth Bell Graham, like how would you describe her
1: in one word? Oh, in one word. Is that impossible? Oh, she was, I mean, the first word that came in my mind was fun. I mean, she was just so much fun and so full of life, so witty and so positive. She never she was never down. Like she never was upset at things or complained ever. I mean, she was just always joyful and, um, and just was a blessing to be around all the time. So, and of course, all that comes from her love for the Lord. Right. Um, She was great. Yeah.
0: And what about your mom? Your mom is one of the premier Bible teachers of our generation. So you you have a, a bird's eye view into the life of Anne Graham Watts. What word would you use to describe
1: your mom? Wise. She is so wise. I I really in fact I've joked before that I don't know that there's anybody that has been as wise as my mom since Solomon. I mean, she is so wise and and just always anything I come to ask her, like if I ask her a question or call her up, or, she always has these incredible insights and words of wisdom to ask, you know, to answer or whatever it is I'm asking. And, and it really is amazing. It's because she has spent so much time in God's word. And, and she's prayed since she was a little girl, actually, she has asked the Lord to give her wisdom. She prays that every single day and he promises to give it to us if we ask him, and she is evidence of that. I mean, just so filled with so much wisdom. And that is really
0: true of your mom from what I know of her, and you have tapped into that wisdom because you and your mom have come together and written an extraordinary new book that's really a gift to the next generation of families. And And I have loved perusing it, looking through it and just extracting wisdom, but Rachel Ruth, what led you to write this book? Like, were you and your mom eating pizza one day and you said, hey, you want to write a book? How, how did it happen? Tell us about it.
1: Well, what first started, when I first started thinking about it was years ago when my grandmother, who I called, we, we called Tete, which means old lady in Chinese. She was born and raised in China. Her her parents were medical missionaries there. And so that's what she asked us to call her in so Teta was um, actually getting ready to go to heaven, and and it was a terrible point in my life because I was so close with her, and and I remember going up to visit her. I wrote about it in the book, but I didn't know that that was going to be the last time that I would see her. But it was, and and just this desperation—like I don't want to forget what she's taught me. I don't want to forget the things that we, the conversations we've had, and and just the memories with her. And so I did start jotting stuff down at that point, but, but nothing ever really came about it. And then when I had, when my kids were getting a little bit older, you know, in elementary school and taking them to different birthday parties or going to school, I noticed that the parents that we were around, they, they, you know, maybe they love the Lord, but I didn't see that they were passing it on to their kids. I didn't see that at all. Like, when the kids would come over to our house and i'd ask them questions about the lord they didn't really know and and it broke my heart i thought why what why is that why are they not passing it on to their children to this next generation and so i i had this burden on my heart i talked to my mom about it and we agreed because i felt like are there people i know there are people out there that that were raised in homes where they didn't see that, that their parents weren't believers their grandparents weren't believers. And by God's grace, he placed me in this family. I mean, it's just by God's grace that I was placed in this family. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just write stories down so they can see what I saw in my home, what I saw from both sets of my grandparents and my parents to give them maybe a little help to know, Oh, so that's how you can, how you can do it in your home. And that's what it looks like. That's what a Christian home looks like. And so that's basically how it came about.
0: You know, I love that Rachel Ruth and that's really a gift to give the moms of the next generation families a picture of what a healthy Christian home looks like, not a perfect one, right. but a healthy Christian home. This is how we deal with our stuff. This is how we encourage them to witness. So as I was reading your book, Rachel Ruth, I thought about the scripture in revelations that says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's what this book is. It's the testimony of your family, of the Wright family, of the Lots family, of the Graham family, because all those stories are piled up on top of each other. Um, so the thing I love about your book, Rachel Ruth, is that it's not just theology, although it is theology. It's not just Christian inspiration, although it is. It's story. Mm. And and I think that people who love story are going to love your Mm. book. Mm. So tell us one of your favorite stories from the book that just sort of resonates with you. Uh,
1: Well, I just to talk about how you're talking about stories that that is how I learn. It's the way my brain works. And that's why I think I love the old Testament because it's story, story, story. And, um, and so, um, my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in this book was when I was, uh, probably eight or nine years old and my sister and I, I think we had gotten some kind of fight. I cannot remember what it was, but she was chasing me through the house and I ran out the back door, which was a glass door. And I slammed it and I heard it shatter. And I was like, ah, and I ran and tried to hide. I hid my mom's station wagon. And and I, thought, I was like, maybe they'll never know I'm here, you know? And and then, you know, I hear my mom calling my name and I get out of the car because I knew I needed to obey. And she sent me to my room and I was just sitting there just waiting because I knew I was going to get it. I was going to get in trouble and get punished for, for doing that and i heard the stairs creaking and my dad came up the stairs and he sat down next to me and 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 i was expecting him just to get on me for what i had done and and instead he said rage he called me rage he was like rage he goes today i'm going to teach you about grace and and he said you deserve to be punished for you know doing that to your sister she could have gotten hurt she wasn't you know praise the lord but but um, he said, "I want to tell you what grace is, and grace is you deserve to be punished, but instead, I'm going to take you to get some ice cream." And I was like, "What? What? Where I'm going to get ice cream?" I was so excited. And but then he went on to describe what grace was, what what Jesus did on the cross, where we sin and we deserve to die because of our sin. It separates us from God. But His grace was God's grace was that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. He was perfect. He was perfect, never sinned, never did anything wrong. And he willingly got on the cross and died and shed his blood to take away our sins. And um, so that now we can have grace where now our sins are covered, we're forgiven, we're clean, we're pure, we're white. And now we can have this relationship with God and and it was because of his grace. And I have never forgotten that lesson my dad taught me. And I can't even remember if we went and got ice cream. I just remember (laughs) that that's what dad said. I'm sure he did. But, um, But it was just such a neat story, neat thing to remember. And I'm so thankful dad taught me that. Oh, I love that lesson.
0: That's a good thing for parents to remember, that there are times in raising our children and we need to show grace. It's a powerful lesson. Okay, so... That's a good place for me to go this direction now, Rachel Ruth, because it was a story about your dad. So we know so much about your maternal grandparents and your mom, but tell us a little bit about your dad's family, about your paternal grandparents and, and the type of life your dad lived and the impact he had on you.
1: Oh, he was amazing. So my dad was from New York city and his parents were from New York. So my grandfather was German and my grandmother was Italian and I'm not sure how that works. First generation, like they've moved here with their parents. But anyhow, so and, um, in New York City, and my grandpa was a preacher in New York. So he actually helped start several churches, but then settled at a church in the Bronx, in the worst part of the Bronx. And in fact, my other grandfather, who we be called Daddy Bill, my mom's dad. He wanted to come hear my grandpa preach in New York. And the cab driver wouldn't even take him to that section of the Bronx. And somehow he eventually got there and, and grandpa was like, if you're here, I'm not preaching, you're going to preach. And so, so my other, my daddy Bill ended up preaching that day, but grandpa was just a New Yorker, just said it like it was. He, he used to preach on the street corners. One of those guys that preached on the street corners and he had little track, like gospel tracks that he would attach a dollar bill to, because he knew they're not just going to take a track, but they'd take it if they saw a dollar bill to it. And And, um, and on the subway, he would ride the subway back and forth and, um, and he would have people sit next to him and he wrote down all the, like ABCs, like, um, all these scriptures that shared the gospel going through the alphabet, like for a, all his sin and fall short of the glory of God, B behold, the lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world see come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden so anyhow and he would have the guy sit next to him on the subway say can you look at this i'm trying to memorize this and and the guy would listen to it he ended up leading him to christ on the subway just reading those verses and so just amazing people that were just doing the work in new york and um and so i and my grandmother was a hygienist on fifth avenue when women weren't really working way way back and I don't. You love Christmas, so yes. the movie white Christmas. Danny Kay was one of her patients. What? And yeah. <laughs> Isn't that neat? And so just hard workers that love the Lord and unashamed of the Lord. And so that's my dad was raised with. They had four boys, four brothers, and and they had no money for college. My grandpa said, "I have no money to send you to college. We just have to pray that God provides." They all ended up with scholarships, and my dad played basketball at the University of North Carolina and won the 1957 National Championship there, and, um, and so just so many neat stories with the family, but a great, great family on, on both sides, so.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, I don't know if you know this right, but our family, we are the biggest ACC fans oh. in America, oh. and- Right. And it's like a national holiday during the wow. ACC tournament. <laughs> I buy prizes. Yeah. We have so
1: much fun. <laughs> so, <great. laughs> I know. I love it too. We love basketball. And now my husband's a high school football coach, but he has been forever. And so we love football and and so any sports and, and especially the ACC. Yeah. So that's
0: great. And I know you went to Baylor. So you guys must've been riding high last year when they won the national oh, championship. Oh, we were ecstatic.
1: <laughs> I mean, screaming, jumping up and down. It was so great. So, <laughs> so and I love Baylor. And I have my middle daughter is there right now. So. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, then really you loved it. So your grandmother was clean, Danny Kay's teeth. So do you know, did she ever lead him to the Lord? Do you have that little tidbit of information oh, for us or not? I,
1: I don't know if she led him to the Lord, but guaranteed she told him about Jesus. I don't know that there was ever a patient that came in where she didn't tell them about Jesus. And so I pray that, you know, maybe he did or remembered something that she said and, um, so that would be so neat.
0: Well, what a mission field she was on. Yes. that's the Avenue in New York
1: City, that's a mission field. It is. I know. And, and, and they had to, you know, just listen to her because their mouths are open while she's working on their teeth. So it was a great place for someone to tell people about Jesus. Yeah,
0: they couldn't argue with her at that point. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. Okay, so tell us, Rachel Ruth, what was it like... To have a famous grandfather. I mean, talk about a general of the faith. What was that like for you as a little girl, as a teenager, as an adult? What was it like?
1: Well, I didn't. I always tell people I didn't know anything different. So that's just all I knew. So I just kind of thought that was normal. But but Daddy Bill, the great thing about him is that the wonderful thing is that people saw him on stage and saw him on TV and all these different things. But when I saw him at home, he was the same. He was the exact same. Still loved the Lord, was so gentle and sweet. He was very much a Southern gentleman. Just, I love, he would hold my hand and, um, and pray with me and just as sweet as he could be. So he was very grandfatherly in that way. And, and I wrote a story in the book about this because he gave us his full attention when we were with him. So it wasn't like he was some, he could have been acted like he was a big timer and didn't have time for us and had busy preparing sermons. But instead, whenever we walked in the room, he gave us his full attention and he was so sweet that way. And, um, and didn't think of himself as high and mighty. He was very humble and that. I think that is amazing. And I feel like that is one huge reason, if not the main reason why God used him is because he was so humble. And and I remember him telling me over and over, he felt like he hadn't done enough for the Lord and grieved about it, that he hadn't done enough for the Lord. And, and so there was none of this celebrity like I'm so big time I've done so much and I look at all these books and there was never ever any of that ever 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 and so I'm just so proud of that example that that he he gave to all of us and um and so so that's kind of what I saw growing up and that's what I learned from him It, it wasn't to think I'm so, you know, I'm so great because I'm in this family. Oh, there's none of that. You know, it's just God's <laughs> grace. He's put me here. And, and, you know, like we all know, we can't, it's not, we can't be a follower of Jesus as like a grandkid. We have to know him for ourselves. Right. And it wasn't enough that my parents and my grandparents knew the Lord. I had to know him for myself. And, and I think that's what the Lord's taken me through this process of loving him and knowing him and, and through difficult things in my life, but um but he's become my own, you know, and and my savior, my Lord. And um but but at the same time I'm very thankful and humbled that that the Lord would give me these great grandparents and and parents to follow. Um, what's something about your
0: family that like might surprise us when we think of the Graham family or the Lotz family, you know, we just think you're, you're probably like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. <laughs> so just tell us something that might surprise us about your family.
1: Oh, well, my family definitely isn't perfect. I mean, there's so many things that I could go on and on about, but we're definitely lots of us are broken, lots of hard things. But, um, but one thing that may surprise you is we have a great sense of humor like there is just from both sides i mean my grandmother was just hilarious she was so funny and my grandfather loved that like he so appreciated that she was so funny and he loved jokes and and then on my dad's side they were just hysterical and my dad was really funny and i feel like i kind of got that and and that's really helped as a mother I think a sense of humor goes such a long way just to diffuse situations when I've got three girls. And so there was always, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the house and drama and just to have a sense of humor to try and diffuse arguments and, and everything like that has helped so much. So I think that's something that maybe people don't know, but but
0: we love a sense of humor. Oh, that's so good. That's refreshing. So now I know you've got a sister and a brother. Isn't that true? So, and your brother has just come through a COVID battle. Is that? Yes.
1: Is he doing okay? Is he all right? He's doing, he's doing better, but he just actually had his pulmonologist appointment yesterday and, and there's something, some kind of blockage in his lungs. So they haven't healed yet. He hasn't been able to go back to work. Um, He gets out of breath easily. And so he's doing what he can to, um, you know, physical therapy, I guess that's what you call it, for your lungs. But but we're just so thankful he made it through. And he was amazing in that hospital. I mean, we couldn't go visit him because, you know, they don't let you. But he was just witnessing to everybody and, and just such a great witness. So you can see why God allowed it. And what nobody really knew is at the same time, my mom had it, my sister and her husband had it, and my whole family had already gone through it back in January. And, and I have asthma and, and it was, a t- I had a tough bout with it, but, but God saw us all through. And so he's faithful. He's faithful if you have COVID. He's faithful if you have a cold. He's he, God is faithful no matter what. And, and I think that's a big thing. You see this spirit of fear over the world and, and we have, we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid. We we can rest in the hands of the Lord and know no matter what happens, you know, good or bad, we can trust the Lord with it. So That's right.
0: Whatever my lot, he has taught yes. me to say, it is wow. Well. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I took a plane trip with uh, my daughter and her four-month-old daughter, a couple months ago and Haven the baby was a little bit fussy on the plane and too many people were looking at her and I just kept saying Haven it is well it is well it is well and so that's what I'm teaching her it is well it's all well because the Lord is with us so right oh that's so neat so tell us his first name so we can be praying for him Jonathan Jonathan that's right I, I couldn't pull it up so okay so we're gonna be praying for Jonathan so that he get, he's completely healed and can serve the Lord wholeheartedly don't you just feel like you have a brand new best friend in Rachel Ruth I certainly do Before we rejoin my conversation with Rachel Ruth, you know, my whole life is about encouraging the women of my generation. I'm committed to teaching the word and to being a purveyor of hope and joy. One of the ways that I do this is through the books that I write. Rooms of a Mother's Heart was released this year, and it's my legacy of the importance of mothering the children that God has given to you. It would make a wonderful gift for all of the moms in your life. But now settle in once again as we lean in and listen and enjoy the depth and the joy of Rachel Ruth Wright. So Rachel, I'm always interested in kids who, ra- who are raised in a ministry home, and now they, they're in the ministry, they're strong believers, they're raising their families for Christ. Was there ever a time, like when you were a teenager or a young adult, when you wrestled with your faith, you, maybe you wrestled with identity, or am I fitting in? Do I have to live this life?
1: Did you ever go through that or not really? I didn't actually I was somebody um I feel like I am and maybe a lot of people are like this but I, I look at things very black and white. It's you live for him or you don't. And and I think being raised by my mom who's so strong and bold and my dad who's from New York, you know, it's like you know, of course you're going to live for the Lord. Why would, you know? and I and I just love Jesus. I really did and and I went through hard situations so in high school most of my friends turned their backs on me and walked away from the Lord. And, and so I was by myself. And so that was when the Lord really became my best friend. And I just turned to him and, and I feel like it, that was God's grace in my life too. But, but I just had a heart for him. I just, I sought him through his word. I talked to the Lord all the time. I love to pray and um, and God saw me through those hard high school years and then in college just blessed me with these greatest group of friends. and we still get together. We try and get together once a year. Um, but but so God saw me through that and and um, all, lots of different other hard things but but I just have always loved the Lord and I've tried to teach my girls that that even if people disappoint you, I tell the girls if I've disappointed you when I've made mistakes or I've raised my voice or whatever that don't don't think the lord is that <laughs> that the, don't separate that because the lord is perfect. He loves you. He's he's kind. He's faithful and and when he corrects us it's in the right way and it's in a kind way. You know, it's not where he's just angry at us and pointing fingers and you know listing 50,000 things you've done wrong and like we can as parents sometimes but instead he's so kind. So I, I always try and teach my girls that so they don't get it, they don't get it clouded. It, it doesn't get confusing to them, that that God is a good, faithful, wonderful savior. And um, because we as parents are gonna make mistakes, you know, and that's okay. I mean we all do, but but Jesus is perfect in all of his ways and and so I I try and teach them that. But I but I haven't had that time of falling away. My brother went through a period of difficulty, um, for a long time, but, but is doing great now. And so I think each person has their own walk, but I've prayed for my girls. I love, I love Joshua in the Bible and he was faithful to the Lord from beginning to end. And, and so that's my, been my prayer since day one for my girls, Lord, let them be a Joshua, let them be faithful to the Lord from beginning to end. And so that's in this book, we talk about passing the baton and we do what we can to pass Pass on everything we know, our love for the Lord and, and God's Word, and give them that foundation. And then it's up to them to take the baton and, and pass, it, you know, and carry it on. And so um, I feel like I'm a little bit in that point now, where I've got my two oldest, 19 and 18, and they're going into college. And in and those years, everything and just praying, Lord, everything that we've taught them, would, would it just like come to life in their in their lives as they go out as adults? But we just have to be faithful in our homes. That's right. So in
0: your book, you talk about four ways, um, four manners in which you need to pass the baton to the next generation. Rachel Ruth, can you just quickly tell
1: us what those four ways are? Yes. So it's our walk, our witness, our worship, and our work. And so in all those four different ways, um, my mom actually starts the book off in Genesis five where she actually goes what people usually skip over is the genealogy, but, but you can follow how it was passed down starting from Seth, um, Adam and Eve's third child, and then how it was passed down through the generations. And um, and so we get to see that. And so just that thought of passing that on and in, um, in using those four categories. And so in each of those categories then I write stories that kind of match up with um, those different categories. So it was neat. Yeah. One thing I love about the book, Rachel Ruth, is that even young moms can,
0: can read it because it's stories. Mm-hmm. So you can just read a story or two every day and, and linger on the pages of the book, but you can read those stories in pops because moms are busy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a great book and it, it's going to encourage moms that it is possible to pass the baton well. Um, When you're in that block, in that area where you're passing the baton, it's vital to do it well. And you and your mom have just made it so easy for the next generation to have an aha moment when it comes to what that looks like. So as you said, three daughters we need to be praying for your husband right <laughs> a lot of estrogen in your house yes, yeah. but um what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that parents of teens and young adults face today and 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 how would you encourage them to handle those challenges
1: well it's been a process of learning for me and for my girls but that they have so much coming at them, more than any generation, I think, ever before, just with the, with all the technology and social media and the way the enemy can use that. And uh, there's just so much out there and coming at them. And it really affects them. And I think anxiety has been a big thing. It's something that when I was growing up, they would be like, what, what is anxiety? You know, I don't know. And, and now it is like this epidemic among this young generation. And, um, and so I've had to walk through that with my oldest daughter and, and trying to walk through that and being loving and patient and prayerful. I mean, I've spent more time in prayer than I feel like anything else in my life. I feel like I pray for hours every single day, just praying, praying, praying any free minute. I just go into a room or when I'm driving, I just pray. Lord, protect them, help them. You know, give them the mind of Christ and um, watch over them and protect them from the enemy who's just wanting to attack and and um, and make them feel fearful or, or whatever it might be. But but I think also even with the older age when the kids are older teenagers, so much of it is counseling. Don't you think? I mean, you just end up counseling so much and stay. I stay up with my girls. Um, I only have one in the house now, which is so sad. Oh, just so sad. But anyhow, just staying up late, talking with them and counseling them, crying, praying with them, taking them to scripture. I mean, there's been multiple nights. I feel like almost every night it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning when I'm going to bed. But just because I want to give them as much time as they want, you know, want to talk. And last night I FaceTimed one of my girls for two hours and and um and just praying with her and talking through things and and so because they have so much coming at them and so as parents and especially as moms we have to be willing to give them time and so that means giving up time for the things that maybe we want to do or whatever and we have to be willing to give our kids time because they need it they need that godly counsel that wisdom just just a friend that they know is always going to be there and and sometimes our kids, we're, we're an easy target, so they can take it out on us, you know, yell at us, get angry with us, slam a door, whatever it might be. But, but I'm so, I want to be so quick to forgive and just welcome them back the next day, you know, just love on them and know that they can always come back to me, that, um, that I don't shut those doors. I always want to keep the door open in conversation with them. So don't, don't burn bridges with your kids and um and just love on them they they need that consistent love in their lives and the lord is all that we're you know we're going to fail but but as much as we can to love our children
0: yeah you know um rachel ruth when i had toddlers i had a very wise woman tell me carol if you do it right it's actually going to take more time when they're teenagers than when they're toddlers and i thought what how is that possible (laughs) but it is and i just watched her example of every night Um, she would go into her teenager's room and say, is there anything you want to talk about? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can pray for you about? How was your day? And so I love that you're encouraging moms spend time with your teenagers. You'll never regret it. Another person told me one time, Carol, your adult children can run away from your words, but they can never escape your prayers. Mm -hmm. So as they become young adults, your strategy is, talk less and pray more. Yeah. And so Rachel, Ruth, I hope that encourages you as your daughters continue to, to grow and, and to, oh, the nerve of those kids, they leave us. It's just hard to believe they could carve out a life without us, but they do. Yeah. Well, let's take a minute and talk to the moms whose uh, families don't look like your family or my family and they're dealing with a prodigal or two and their hearts are broken and they're just wondering lord where are you in this what can i do to to win my children back to faith what can i do lord or what should i have done like how would you minister to a mom
1: Rachel Ruth, who really has a broken heart, yes well, that you are not hopeless. this is not the end of the road, this isn't the end of the picture and and God is a God of redemption He's a God that can come in and swoop down and save and so pray, just pray, pray, pray. And if this is new for you, if you've just come to Christ and you think, I, I, I don't know anything about the Lord yet, and I don't, my kids don't, then start today. Just open your Bibles and begin to study it, read it, and learn, you know, read some of these stories. And, and it's easy to just, you just read a passage. This is what my mom taught me years ago when I was in eighth grade. This is what I do in my Bible study that I teach. But but you list the main facts out of a passage and, and then you take those facts and you just draw a lesson from them. So what is it that you could be doing that they're doing or not doing that they they should have been doing or just draw a lesson out of that, pull a lesson out of it. And then the last question is, you know, what can how, how does it apply to us? And so that's where you take that lesson and put it in the form of a question that you ask yourself. And so. So that's what that's how you can study the Bible for yourself. But a great example is Jacob. And that's actually what I'm teaching in my Bible study right now. And I taught on Tuesday, Jacob, when he had to flee his home because he had just made a mess of things and he had deceived his father to get the blessing. And and now he has to leave because his brother Esau wants to kill him. And and so he's really at the worst part in his life. And he's laying in the desert, laying on a rock, literally for a pillow. And he doesn't, his future is uncertain. He doesn't know what to do. He's scared Esau might kill him. And and it's then that God actually gave him a dream because they didn't have God's word back then, and gave him a dream. And the angels were ascending and descending. He saw him on a stairwell, and and at the very top was God. You know, the Lord was standing there, and then He spoke into Jacob's life and He spoke about His future. And He said, "I'm going to be with you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to take care of you, and I, you know, you're going to have all these descendants." And so, so God took care of you know Rebecca and Isaac had to see their son leave. And then they didn't have a cell phone. They didn't have any way to communicate with him. And and God took care of him. God met him in his worst place in his life. And spoke to him, told him about his future, and and promised to watch over him. And he'll do the same for our kids. If we have a prodigal, you know, that's gone out and you just think, what's going to happen? You trust the Lord. That's where you just lay your child down before the Lord. You, in a sense, it's like a sacrifice. You, You lay it down before the Lord, and you trust the Lord to take care of that child, to meet that child where they're at. And he can do it in supernatural ways. He can send someone to talk with them or share, you know, share Christ with them. But you don't worry. God has your children. As long as you're praying, he will take care of them. Oh, I love it. That's a great word of encouragement.
0: And I really receive it. That was a wonderful illustration about Jacob going out on his own.
1: Yeah. yeah. God took care of him. Praise the Lord. So. He did.
0: He did. He did. And I love it that that you've taken that passage of scripture and helped us to apply it to our lives personally. Um, you know, I always say you can read the Bible theologically study god yes that's a great way to read it you can read it historically yes that actually happened but never forget to read it personally yes. to apply the story of jacob to your life so thanks for helping us do that so uh the name of the book is jesus followers and it's really a gift to families mm-hmm. to help pass the baton of faith to the next generation so rachel ruth before we say goodbye today would you pray for um, my friends? Would you pray for the listeners
1: and pray that they'll pass the baton well? Yes, I would love to. Okay. Heavenly Father, I oh, would just thank you for this sweet time, Lord, where we can just talk about what it is to be a Jesus follower, what it is to be an example to our kids, Lord. And so many of us have made mistakes and we wish we could go back and change something, but but at the same time, we can just let it go and know that you have our kids, that you take care of them, that you will watch over them, Lord, that that we just need to be faithful to be authentic ourselves, that we need to just get into the word and, and get to know you better and to have a love relationship with you. And Lord, would you help us to remember to pray for our kids and pray for our own walk with you, Lord. And would you draw us to yourself, no matter what is happening in our lives, if we're going through a difficult situation right now, Lord, would you help us just to turn to you, to look to you, to not be angry with you or not to be angry with our circumstances or frustrated with where we're at, but instead just receive it from you and know that you're going to take care of it. You're going to walk us through it, Lord, and you're going to help us be the the kind of parents that you want us to be, Lord, godly Jesus followers. And so, Lord, would you help us in our walk, Lord, and to be faithful to you, to lay our kids down before you and trust you with them. And Lord, would you help us That we would each day turn to our Bibles, open our Bibles and read them and study them and apply it to ourselves and then live it out. That it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, Lord, but would you help us to live out what we're learning through Scripture. And Lord, I pray that then our kids would see the difference in our lives and they would want what we have. And so, Father, we just thank you for this sweet time. Thank you for Carol and the blessing that this is. And, um, and we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rachel Ruth. Thank you for joining
0: me. I love talking to you. I loved it too. Thank you so much. Bless you. I have just been so honored to have this sweet conversation with Rachel Ruth Wright. I hope that you'll buy her book, Jesus Followers, and discover the secret of passing your faith to the next generation. It would also make a wonderful Christmas gift for all of the moms in your life as well. Thank you for joining me this week on Significant Women. I hope that you'll share this episode with your friends, as well as leave a review on our hosting platforms. My friend, I want you to remember on good days and on hard days, in easy times and in the challenging times, that you're significant because you've been made in the image of of God the Father. He has stamped you with his power and with his creativity. He has given you his mind and his heart. You, my friend, are significant.